Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you, Pastor Joe and the team here for inviting me again. I, I, I really appreciate um, the yes. spirit here. The spirit of God is here. Amen. And uh, actually, we are meeting him here. You know, we, we don't have to have a special program to meet him. This is it. You are meeting right now. Amen. Not later, not the end of the service, <laughs> not at the altar call. Right now, you are meeting. And, uh, and, and this morning, this evening, I want to uh, uh, talk about the reverse of it. You know, very often, uh, if you really want to enjoy worship, uh, there are certain songs, as you sing to God, God also sings back to you. I remember once I was singing, there is none like you. Have you said the song? And then suddenly the Holy Spirit said, the Bible says in Zephaniah 3, I think 20, the Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. He will rejoice you with, over you with singing. And so the Lord said, I'm singing that song to you. There's none like you. There's no one else like you. Isn't it? You're not a copy. You are unique. No one else can touch my heart like you. And he says, I I can search all eternity. There's no other Michael. (laughs) Do you realize that? That he had created you in such a unique way. And there are certain songs, I believe, as, as you were singing yesterday about we are here. Uh, and God says, sing that back to me. Right? Lord, I am here to meet you. I want you to meet me, as uh, Pastor mentioned. But also we want to be there where we can meet with him. And I just want to... Uh, find out, I mean, just share, uh, what, what do we do when we meet, <laughs> right? Uh, I was telling Joe that uh, somebody, I think, Jesus did a lot of eating while meeting. <laughs> so we call it the M-E-A-T-I-N-G, no, not M-E-E, meet. It's amazing what happens when you eat. You know, one of the things he said If you open the door, I will come in and have a Bible study with you, (laughs) right? I will come and eat with you. You Sometimes we make Christianity so complicated. And I always say, you know, the greatest teaching Jesus could ever give us, he never gave it in a synagogue, not in a temple, but in a dining table, the Last Supper. We make it so religious, and sadly, I, I really hate religion when it comes to Lord's Supper. They hold the cup and they drink like this. And he just took, he just, while eating, he taught the greatest thing to remember. Isn't it? Isn't it? And so I believe what happens when you meet? How do you know you have met him? <laughs> right? When you go out from here, how can you say, I have met him? I really believe when you meet with God, he, he talks to you and you have to listen to him. And one of the biggest challenges I have as a leader is I have no problem talking to God. I'm so used to it. As soon as you close your eyes, you know, your mouth begins to speak and hallelujahs and all that comes out. But my biggest challenge is listening. Isn't it? Listening. I believe the greatest prayer, I have studied so much about prayer. The greatest prayer in the Bible is when people listen to God. Listen. And so tonight, I just want to give you a few simple things. What will happen when you meet? What will God talk to you about? You, you, there's a lot for you to talk to him, right? <laughs> All my plans, visions, dreams, and goals. I'm sure you came with those things to talk to him. But what about listening to him? What will he talk to you? What will he talk to you? I believe what he will talk to us is what we call the the prophetic. He talks to us about the future, not about the past. We talk about the present, 
But when God speaks or when meets people, he begins to speak about the generations to come. Hallelujah. If you really want to get God excited, you know, there are certain things I know when we talk about, I really get excited, you know. Right? My wife knows things like cricket, you know. (laughs) If you really want to get God excited, there are two things I want you to talk about. And that is number one, talk about the unseen. Don't Don't talk about what's visible. You begin to think and see, say, God, I see this happening. I see, when you begin to speak the unseen, God gets excited. Because the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Hallelujah. When you meet God, you begin to see the unseen. Talk to him about it. Hallelujah. And of course, second thing, he gets excited when you talk about the future. You don't have to explain the past to him. You don't have to explain the current context. I know sometimes our prayer meetings, you know, sometimes, you know, we have, we try to explain to God, you know, what happens. <laughs> you know, we were brought up in a strict Pentecostal church in Sri Lanka, and, and my parents forced us to go to prayer meetings. We were kids, my brother and I. And, and, and we hated that, you know, going to a Pentecostal prayer meeting. And so we had nothing else to do, so my brother and I would play some games. And one of the things is that when um, somebody starts praying, we say, we bet. We say, how many times will that person say, Lord? <laughs> so he will say, 35 times. <laughs> so I said, no, no, 40 times. So we count, Lord, 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 Lord. <laughs> Now that was fun for us. <laughs> Recently I was in a church and they had very long prayer, you know, and, and I reminded me somebody, somebody say, said that uh, this is a rule for public prayer, not for pu- private prayer, public prayer. Right? In a prayer meeting, if you pray for three minutes, people will pray with you. If you go beyond three minutes to six minutes, People will pray for you. (laughs) And if you go beyond that, they will pray against you. (laughs) Is that right? I always think people who never pray at home pray longest in the prayer meeting, right? Is that right? People who never worship at home. They say, we know we want to worship more, but I feel, you know, I believe prayer is a lifestyle. So when you meet with him here, or when you say, come up here and listen, what will he talk about? He'll talk about the future. Amen. He will talk about the unseen. And I, I believe in this conference, some of you are going to see your context, not the way it is now. You're not going to look at the past or the present, but God is going to show you the future. And he wants you to be a partner with him. Hallelujah. All the people who went up to the mountain or met with God, God spoke. You know, I just want to give the scripture about Abraham. It is said that when Abraham, you know, he was inside his tent, God took him out. And God said, look at the stars. Hallelujah. And actually, if you really want to see the stars, it has to be dark, right? <laughs> Are you going through a very dark time right now? It's time to look at stars. Because you never see the stars in the daytime. And as he began to count the stars, God said, look, that's what my involvement with you. And he said to him in Genesis that your children, your children, your generation is going to be like the stars in the sky. And he took him outside and said in Genesis 15, 5, and look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed if you can count them then he said to them so shall your generation offspring be and he believed hallelujah when I was a young, young person as I told you I was uh, came from a very strict Pentecostal church and uh, they didn't believe in Bible school so I wanted to go to Bible school and I went to my pastor and I said, please pray, I'm going to Bible school. And he said, I won't pray for you. You're out of God's will. 
he, he said, repent. He said, so I was very disappointed. And, and so I went to an evangelist whom I worked with, and I said, please pray for me. I want to go to Bible school. So he said, okay, I'll pray. And he started praying. And, and I didn't realize that time he was... He began to quote Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came out of the mother's womb, I appointed you, ordained you as a prophet to the nations. I thought, I thought there's somebody behind me, maybe he's praying for him, right? So I, I turned back, and there was nobody there. He was praying for me. The unseen, the future. And I want to say today, while I'm here, why I'm here is because of that prophetic word. Right? I believe your future is not going to be defined by circumstances, by the economy or the social conditions. It's going to be defined by the prophetic. Amen? God has a prophetic destiny for your life. The prophetic is, is actually God is excited about you because your, your future... It's far greater than all your past and all your present. Hallelujah. God is a God of hope. Somebody explained this hope is like when you're driving, there are three mirrors you look at, right? The two side mirrors and the back mirror, isn't it? You have to look at those mirrors. But you look at them occasionally, isn't it? But while you look at those, there's a huge screen in front of you, wide screen of your future. Sadly, most of us keep looking back at those mirrors, isn't it? The side mirror, what's on the other side? What's behind? But our God of hope says, look, doesn't matter what was behind, what you have ahead. The view ahead is far greater than those three small mirrors, right? <laughs> and there are people here this morning, this evening, you, okay, you know, you have been looking back, looking back at what happened in the past. And the devil has been telling you lies, it's going to happen again. But God said, look at the big screen, the wide windscreen you can see. The future I have for you. Thank you. Hallelujah. That's the definition of hope. Hope is what God has for you is Far bigger than their past and your present. Hallelujah. Yes. God wants to bring hope. COVID tested our hope. I believe in, in the middle of COVID, the whole world lost all hope. But church was the house of hope. I remember when the tsunami hit us. In 2004, we lost 40,000 people in just a matter of two hours or hour and a half. Well, 100,000 houses were destroyed and over 2 million people were displaced. And we were hopeless. We had no hope. But I remember somebody gave me a scripture from the book of Zechariah. He said, in the, in the valley of Echor, I will open a door of hope. Valley of Echor is a valley of weeping. But I see God says there's a door of hope. Hallelujah. And I can tell you many, many stories how when you get hope coming into your heart, you see that door of hope, there's opportunity. Hallelujah. Unlimited opportunity. Unlimited opportunity. And this church actually partnered with us. You know, we built over 1,000 houses, looked after 40,000 people. And, and, you know, for, for many years, and we bless them. The spiritual atmosphere change when you have hope. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. And so God wants us to raise up the next generation. God told, God told Abraham, your generation, I'm interested not only you, but, you know, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, right through up to Jesus. Your seed shall inherit the nations. Hallelujah. So God has a generational plan. And, and this evening I just want to quickly mention a couple of those prophetic words in the Bible. One of the darkest times of Israel when the kingdom was divided after King Solomon, King Rehoboam and Jeroboam, they were, 
against each other. And Jeroboam set up an alternative worship instead of Jerusalem. He said, if people go to Jerusalem, then I will lose the kingdom. And so he said, let's have worship, another worship place in Bethel. And he set up an idol there and he began to worship. And one day when he was worshiping, he says, an unknown man, unknown prophet. Nobody knows his name. Nobody knows where he came from. But he suddenly appeared. And this is found in the book of uh, uh, Second Kings. Uh, First Kings, it says that he began to prophesy and said, O altar, altar, o altar of Bethel, he said, out of, out of this place shall be born a, a child called Josiah who will destroy this place. And the king got very angry and he said, arrest him. And he pointed the finger and told the guards. But suddenly his hand froze and he asked the prophet to pray for him. It's a long story, but 430 years later, we find that in Second Kings, one sentence which says, and Josiah was eight years old when he became king. When I read that, God said to me, I want you to raise up eight-year-olds to become kings. Just imagine, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Hallelujah. He was born after one of the most cruelest and wicked two kings, you know, Manasseh and Ammon, you know, his father. They were, the Bible said there was no one else did so much wickedness like the time of Manasseh and the time of Ammon. And I believe that's the history that you are going through right now. There had not been wickedness all these years like what's happening now in your nation. Is that right? But God has a prophetic generation. A child who is eight years old becomes a king. And he brings reform. He brings revival. It's a long story. But what I want to say is that when God speaks, it will happen. The problem is we're not listening. (laughs) That's what my wife tells me all the time. (laughs) I went for a conference and they said, you know, a man speaks 12,000 words a day, and women speak 24,000 words a day. So I went and told my wife, see, it's proven that you talk too much, right? <laughs> and you know what she said? You know why? Because you don't listen, I have to repeat. <laughs> so it didn't work. <laughs> I want you to learn to listen. Learn to listen. Sometimes I I encourage you, if you are a leader, take time off to listen. Every day, if you listen first before you pray, your prayer life will change. But I know it's very difficult to listen. So I would just give a simple formula for meeting me here, where he is. Okay, number one is, the priority, make it a priority. It all starts with P. First thing, a priority. If you don't give priority to listening, if you want to listen casually, God is not interested in that. Of course, by the way, God speaks all the time, right? <laughs> I remember when I was in Bible school, we used to have arguments. What's the best time God speaks? Some people said, four o'clock in the morning. Others said, six o'clock. Others said, no, evening, the night, late at night. Then one student got up and said, you know what? God speaks to you when you listen. (laughs) Nothing to do with the time. (laughs) Is that right? God doesn't want to waste his words. He's not like the media, just want to blast everything to you. He doesn't want opinions. He doesn't want ideas. He wants you to listen. And so I, I just want to encourage you to learn. Number one prayer, make it a priority in your day. Even in your life, in your schedule, make it a priority. Sometimes I try to take about three or five days out from my schedule and just sit and listen. It takes a long time to listen because we are so used to talking, you know. So number one is a priority. Number two, place. I think Pastor Richard told about the chair, isn't it? 
When you sit there, you know that's, that's, that belongs to my time of listening. God can speak to you anywhere, but I believe that if you have a place, it, can be a, it doesn't have to be a room, it can be a chair. I know when I sit there, my children know that's the time I listen. Amen. Amen. You have to have that place. And then with the place also goes a time or the priority, fixed time, place. And then the third thing is the third piece, the person. It, it's, it's, it's something to do with you and God. It's not about ministry. It's not about church. It's not about all that. It's, it's about God said, I want to meet you. Amen. Amen. Meet you. Make, you know, it's a personal thing. And as you listen, God will speak to you. Listen to you. Speak to you. And so, I believe we are living at this time when God is about to pour out his spirit. I told you in the morning about the rain. We are going to open up the heavens. We, we opened up the windows yesterday, I think, isn't it song? <laughs> right? Yeah. Let the light come in. Yeah. But as you sing, God says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. Hallelujah. Windows of heaven. And, and as you begin to, and God's going to pour out his spirit. And in the book of Joel, God says that I will send forth the rain, the former and the latter rain. But in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, uh, this is what he says. And, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. About seven years ago, some of our leaders, we came together and we realized that we are at a very important time in history that this, there is a possibility of finishing the Great Commission. Amen? Now, everybody says Jesus is coming soon, right? Everybody believes that? Well, they told me that when I was a kid of almost six, 60 years ago. So I think that, that became a biggest lie in my life. Jesus is coming soon. I didn't mean to say in that way as a lie, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> it didn't happen. And so I used to read about prophecy and everything. And, but do you, do you realize that everything in the prophetic, in the, in the Bible about the coming of Jesus, earthquakes, famines, wars, antichrist, do you know that every generation, those signs were there? Do you realize that? Not only recent generation, in the past history, even in the first century, there were earthquakes, there were famines. So all these things we are talking about, in every generation, most of the signs happen. But there's only one sign which Jesus said the end will come in Matthew 24, 14. When he gave the other signs, he said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the nations as a witness, then shall the end come. So there are two ends. The first end is when we finish the task. Amen? Amen. And then, of course, the second end is when Satan is ended, right? If you really want to hasten the evil in the world, it's no point to complaining, protesting, fighting against it. Let's finish the task. Amen? Amen? And so we believe that we are living at a time that this generation can and the coming generations can finish the task of fulfilling the Great Commission. And I'll talk to you about it tomorrow, maybe. But one of the things we've, we said, we are going to see a revival. This scripture, this scripture, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. But then the next challenge is your sons and daughters will prophesy. And the Holy Spirit asked me, where are your sons and daughters? And this morning, evening, my question is to the church, where are our sons and daughters? Because they are going to be prophesying. They are going to define the future. Prophecy means talking about the future. I believe we are living at a time the Holy Spirit is preparing the ground and is wanting us as the church to prepare our sons and daughters 
Not only biological sons, but spiritual sons. Prepare the next generation for the greatest move of God. Hallelujah. Don't talk the doom and gloom to them. It's time to talk about the possibilities. Hallelujah. God's going to move in our generation and our next generation to see the prophetic fulfillment, what he has promised. Do you believe that? Prophecy is God's pre-written history. And I believe, as I told earlier, my, my life, when God gave that prophetic word, that changed my whole course of life. And I believe tonight, as you speak, as you hear the word of God, the prophetic word, is going to define your future. Amen? He can even create something new. He said, behold, I will even do it now. And so I just want to share this principle about, like Josiah was eight years old when he became king. I believe God wants us to raise the next generation up. Hallelujah. About five, about seven years ago, the Bethel Church in uh, the Bethel Church in California, they had a healing conference in Sri Lanka, and so they sent me an invitation. They said some. Pastor Chris, somebody's coming. I was very busy, so I couldn't go for the conference. So on the second day, they called me. They called me and said, Pastor, please, they want you to come for the conference. So I said, I'm very busy. Uh, but he said, no, the speaker wants to meet you. And, and so I went to the conference, and then he, he, I wanted to sit at the back and just listen and go, go away quickly. You know, pastors normally do that, just show the face. <laughs> Uh, but he said, you please come to the front. Please come and sit here. And, and, and then he got up and he told this story. He said, I was a young boy from Auckland, New Zealand. I had no purpose in life. I was a wayward young man. I came to a youth meeting and, and Pastor Michael, it was in a house and we had a barbecue. And in that meeting, he said, Pastor Michael called me from the back and said, he, he prophesied over me. And he said, I didn't believe that time what he said. I also can't remember what I said either. <laughs> See, I, I'm, I'm like a postman. I don't write to read the mail inside, right? I just deliver it. Okay? If, if God can trust you with that, to deliver, not to understand the content, because it's not for you anyway. As, as Pastor Richard said, the gift is not for you. It's for the person receiving. Amen. And he told the conference, he said, today I'm, he's a healing pastor of the healing school, the senior leader of the healing school, Chris. He said, what I'm doing today is because of a prophetic word God gave me when I was a wavered, lost young man. And I believe God wants you in your church. Don't complain about your youth. Begin to speak to their future. Begin to give prophetic words into their lives. You don't have to be a prophet. Prophet, Amen. You know, the, the old saying they say, I'm not a prophet. No, I'm, I'm not from a non-profit organization. I'm a non-profit, right? <laughs> but God gives you a word. When people walk into your chair, don't look at the past. Don't look at the context. Look at the future and say, God, give me a word. What you see in these people. Hallelujah. And that's your role, to create their future through the word of God. And so I believe God has called us to raise up the next generation. I just want to use this illustration of the bow and arrow. The Bible talks to us about, in Psalm 128, as, as, the, as the arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of your youth. Amen. So I just want to give some simple principles about the bow and arrow. First of all, the bow, you know. Do, do you realize that until they've discovered gunpowder, I think about 500 years ago, the bow and arrow was the main form, weapons of warfare when it comes to advancing. They had the sword and the, and the shield for, 
for what you call it, battle, hand-to-hand uh, -hand fighting, right? But if, somebody, if an army want to advance, they had to use the bow and arrow. Even in our spiritual warfare weapons, God has not given to us bow and arrows. <laughs> he has given us a sword, which is a very small sword. Uh, but he talks about the arrows of the enemy, isn't it? <laughs> Take the shield of faith so that you can stop the arrow. So enemy wants to fight from far. He, he can't get close to you, right? Do you realize that? You don't shoot an arrow very close like that, do you? No, he can't get close to you. But you have the shield of faith. But I believe these weapons God has given to us is to advance the future in the kingdom. And God has given us the bows and the arrow. So there are two instruments involved. Is the picture there? I don't know whether this picture is there. Okay, the bow. Uh, the first thing, the Bible talks about the bow being strong. It has to be strong. It's in the hand of the mighty man. I believe you as pastors, you are... God has given you a bow. You have to be strong. Right? You cannot have a weak bow. They gave me a bow here, I think, uh, just to illustrate, but uh, it's not a good illustration. It's a very weak bow, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the bow has to be strong. It is metal or made of wood. Strong. God wants you to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. But then there's a danger of being strong in yourself. Recently, I heard one pastor teach to us about one of the lies of the devil is that I must be strong. I must be strong. I must be strong. But you know, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord. Amen. Because, what, because it doesn't matter how strong you are humanly, that it is limited. But St. Paul discovered the strength. He said, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. I realized my greatest strength is knowing what my weaknesses are. That's my greatest strength. If you don't know your weaknesses, then you're already weak. But your strength comes not denying and generally, pastors, we like to deny our, our weaknesses. But it's acknowledging. The Bible says when we confess, when we acknowledge our weakness, then we, then we are strong. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because his grace is sufficient for me. Hallelujah. So don't put on a false, false front of strength, Okay. <laughs> Be open, be vulnerable. But I believe God gives you the strength. And the bow has to be strong. It's either metal or, you know. But the second thing about the bow, it, 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 must, it must have flexibility. We heard about it yesterday, isn't it? It must be flexible. Yes, it's strong. But it, there, there must be a bending, flexibility. I believe sometimes we become too rigid in our approach to life, isn't it? <laughs> I was brought up in this very legalistic church. So they told me everything not to do. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So they told me all the things not to do, they never told me what to do. <laughs> so my whole life was about regulation. Don't do it, don't do it. And I was telling, I think, one of the pastors yesterday that, do you realize if you want to strengthen sin in a person's life, the Bible says, the strength of sin is in the law. More rules you have, more sins you have in your life. I know you're looking at me strange. <laughs> but if you live by the law, you're only strengthening the power of sin in you. But if you live by grace, if you recognize that you are weak, every day come to his presence. I love to listen to a song. I don't know if you're singing it here. It's called Good Morning Mercy. Have you heard that song? Good Morning Mercy. The Bible says every morning mercies are new to me. And when I get up, I don't say, well, I'm strong today. I say, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. 
Hallelujah. We need the mercy of God. Hallelujah. We need the mercy. Yes, we are strong, but we also must have flexibility. And the third thing about, about the bow is that there's tension. I wonder why you're asking, why am I going through so much tension in life? In pastoring, very often we preach something, we say something, we do something, but then on Monday we, we, face, the, <laughs> we face the other side of life. We talk faith, but on Monday comes doubt, right? <laughs> the tension between the seen and the unseen. The tension between the present and the future. I believe God shapes our life in tension. Amen. Not so much, what's the word I'm trying to find out? Uh, not depression. There, there is stress involved in ministry. And God will stretch you as much as you can. Right? Whatever that can be stretched, can be, will be stretched. <laughs> and we also say, blessed are the flexible, they shall not be. Broken, right? <laughs> Amen? Amen. So if you are going through stress in your ministry, remember God is preparing you. Hallelujah. And then, of course, you have the arrow. And also the other thing about the bow is that the bow never travels. It stays in one place. Do you realize that? God wants stability in your life. Whatever ministry you are doing, just don't run around doing too many things. Get yourself rooted in one place because you are going to launch from here. Hallelujah. And so if you are a pastor, I just want to encourage you. Be a, be a strong bow. But this bow is useless without this arrow. Do you realize that? And there are so many things about arrows I can talk about. The next generation, most of them I don't understand, but, but yet that's a reality you have to face. God wants our young generation to be like arrows. God wants them to be connected to the boy. If the arrow is not connected, it's useless. Do you realize that? Both. And I believe the devil has brought this gap between the two generations. And there are many ways that we are, there's conflict and there's separation. God, you know, I know they bring these different generations, but I believe God has brought us together. This, both these has no meaning unless they are joined together. Do you realize that? And so pastor, I want to encourage you to connect with your young people, connect with your generation, connect with children. Hallelujah. Don't, don't, don't wait. You know, someone pastor told me, you know, kids and youth can't give offerings, so why invest your time on them, right? <laughs> so the adults give you tithes and, you know, <laughs> right? But you connect. There's so much I can tell about the relationship. They must be connected. And both of these useless individually. God wants to use both of them together. The bow stays in one place, but arrows travel. Amen. Arrows always go further than the bow. Do you realize that? One of the desires I have is I have a leadership training. I call it leading from behind. I led from the front. I said, I'm the hero. Follow me. But God told me, you know, you are to send an arrow that you'll never go. This one is not going to go. But this is going to go far, far beyond what you have achieved. Pastor, I just want you to believe that, that God has called you to take that next generation. You never know where they'll go. Hallelujah. When I gave that word over that young man, I never knew. I remember another church I went to in New Zealand. I, it was a, it was a um, brethren church. You know, when I was in Bible school, I... Uh, worked in a shoe factory because we had to work. So, and the boss was a very rich man, and he was a tough man. He said, "He said in my workplace there are two things I don't want to happen. Two things that divide society: politics and religion." <laughs> he knew I was on the Bible school. He said, "You can't talk about religion or politics in this place." But I worked for a year and a half. But I, I preached the gospel with my hands, with my hard work. And when I left, 
after a year and a half, uh, about one year later, he wrote to me in Sri Lanka. He, he wrote and said, Brother Michael. I said, hey, how come he's calling me brother? He was a tough guy. <laughs> he got saved. But he told me, I watched you. I knew you were not allowed to talk, but I watched you how you worked. And when he was in a crisis, he said, I remembered you. And so he invited me. He became a leader of the church a few years later. He asked me to preach in a brethren church. They don't believe in the Holy Spirit. And they don't even allow Pentecostal. So uh, Elizabeth Street Chapel in Wellington. And, and so I, when I went to the church, I got out of the pulpit. And there was a young boy seated there. The Holy Spirit said, prophesy over that young boy. I think about 12 years old. Now I said, Lord, this is a brother in church. <laughs> this, you can't do that. <laughs> Don't talk to me in this church, Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I said, please excuse me. I, God gave me a word, so I went down. So high, they had a high pulpit, went down and prophesied over the young boy. And then... Got back and preached. I knew, I knew I'll never get back there. <laughs> but what matters is obedience, isn't it? But you know, three days later, they called me. The one of the, the past, the, my friend who, he said, do you realize that the boy who was, who prophesied, they were, he was playing cricket. And by accident, somebody hit him with the bat. And serious head injury, he's in a coma in hospital. And he said, the mother realized that there is no hope, but you gave word, prophetic words that this word has to come to pass. And so they said, will you pray? I said, yes, I will pray. So I prayed over the phone and praise God. A few days later, he was out of hospital. Hallelujah. When God gives words, it comes to pass. But, you know, a few years later, we came back to New Zealand. I asked him, hey, where's the boy James? You know what he said? He's a youth pastor of the church now. Yeah. And right now, he's one of the pastors in that church. But what I want to say is when God speaks, he never makes mistakes. He, he, your next generation, the arrows, they're going to go further than you. And arrows, I know there are anybody under 20, under, under 40 in here, in, under 40? Yes, okay, few. Very shy, okay. What about under 20? Anyone under 20? Wow. I preached in a big conference in Burkina Faso, about 4,000, 3,000 pastors. I said, anybody under 40, about five people raised their hands, out of 3,000. I turned to the leader and said, Pastor, you have no future in this organization. <laughs> he said, no, no, we have big vision. I said, you, you don't have any pastor under 40. You have no future. Amen? Thank God, this, you all have a great future. The arrows go further. And listen, arrows, you represent the younger generation. You're full of energy. You want to go very fast. <laughs> Amen. You want to go very fast. You're sharp and pointed. <laughs> Not like this arrow, right? <laughs> I didn't like young people when they ask sharp questions and pointed things, you know. But I want you to, pastor, be patient with them. Because they have direction. They have direction. Hallelujah. As arrows are in the mighty hand of a man, mighty man. And they're meant to travel fast and quickly. They're not, they're not meant to go slow. Amen. I believe God wants us to mobilize the next generation. That it give them every possible means to, for them to go fast as possible. Hallelujah. They need direction and they need targets. They don't want to sit around and do nothing. All right? <laughs> they have energy. Young arrows are in our movement, your movement. They are the future of your organization, this movement. Of your church, the future is them. Whenever I go to a church, pastors want to show me the auditorium. I said, I want to go and have a look at the youth and the children's ministry section. 
They said, oh, don't worry about that. You know, this, the stage is the most beautiful place, right? I said, that's not the church. Church is out there. Yesterday, I think he took me. That's where the church is. That's where the arrows are. Hallelujah. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man. But there's a prophetic word also given in, in the book of uh, Isaiah 49, verse 1 and 2. Isaiah 49, 1 and 2. Listen to me, islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. In my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword and a shadow in his hand. He made me a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. There's a, there's a container where they put the, and he said, hid him. And one of the things that happened when you, because my grandson has a bow and arrow, and he was trying to show me how to shoot, right? So I shot many few times, my fingers got so, there was friction between my finger and the arrow. And, and they, what they do is they anoint the arrow, they put oil on it. So when they hold it, there's no friction. Pastors, if you really want to see your next generation move forward, seek the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Not programs, not projects. Let them be bathed in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Just want you to Open your heart to the Holy Spirit right now. And I believe the anointing of the Lord is coming on your life to raise up a generation that we go further and beyond. And that he will release the sons and daughters who will prophesy. Hallelujah. There are sons and daughters in this house. God is calling you tonight. And you felt that you have been kept out, but I believe the Holy Spirit is calling you. You felt that church is irrelevant, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today and saying, I'm preparing you. I'm preparing you. You without a bow is useless. You can be the best arrow. You need to connect with the bow. You need to connect with your leaders because you are going to travel way beyond what your leaders have done. Hallelujah. Jesus told his disciples, you will do greater things than me. He was the bow. He saw the disciples as the arrows. Jesus never traveled more than 100 miles radius. But he saw his disciples go to the ends of the earth. He saw the arrows traveling to all the nations of the earth. God is seeing in you the capacity and the potential to finish the Great Commission. Young people... Young leaders, don't give up. Don't let tension and strife disappoint you. That tension is needed. That friction is needed. Because God is preparing you for something great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you stand this evening as we worship the Lord? We want to invite the Holy Spirit to touch you this evening. The presence of the Lord is here. I mean, there's nothing... Nothing to say about There's no argument about it. He's here. Moving in our midst. He's moving. Both generations. The next generation, the youth, the children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The children. You know, if you have children, lay your hands on them. Bless them every morning and say, this generation. Amen. Don't let the devil take them and then pray for them after that. Lay hands on them every morning and bless them. The blessing of Abraham in you. All the, my family is going to be blessed. And Hallelujah. The generations are going to be blessed. Yes. We're going to worship. Yeah. Father, I just release the presence of your anointing. Lord, to raise up the next generation. Lord, the sons and daughters in this house will prophesy. They will define the future. They will speak the future into existence. They will speak the word of power and love, authority over the nations. God has not given to them a spirit of fear. I break the spirit of timidity. 
and I release them with the power and the love and the sound mind. Hallelujah. 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 And so, Father, we just thank you for your grace, your mercy, and for this incredible group of young people that are part of this church, this movement. And our, our prayer, Lord God, is that by your Spirit, you would, you would minister to them. Father, there are some unique challenges for this generation that other generations have not had. And I just pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would protect their minds, their hearts, their spirit, Lord God. And that even in the midst of the complexities, Lord, that they would hear the small, still voice of the Spirit that would say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And I just pray that as they hear the promptings of the Spirit, that they will have the courage, the confidence to obey your voice, protect by the Spirit of God, release by the Spirit of God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you for the call of God on their lives. I thank you for the purpose and we release it in, 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 in their lives, Lord God. Father, that they would get a vision, a glimpse of what it is that you want to do in and through their lives from an early age in the name of Jesus. That they would know who they are in Christ Jesus. That they would discern the schemes and strategies of the enemy. That they would flee from temptation, I pray in the name of Jesus. That they would resist the devil in Jesus' name. That they would expose the lies of the enemy in the name of Jesus. That they would stand up to the culture and have the confidence to say no in the name of Jesus. Give them boldness in the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. That they will do great exploits and as arrows, Father, that they will go further than us in the name of Jesus. They will do greater exploits than we ever did, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. Bind that spirit of immorality. over this generation. We, we bind it in the name of Jesus. Every lie of the devil, we expose it in the name of Jesus. Father, every oppression, depression, anxiety, stress, fear, Lord God, we come against it in the name of Jesus. That spirit of fear, we come against it in Jesus' name. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. Let that be over this generation, I pray in Jesus' Name. In the Name of Jesus, release the gifts in their lives. A passion to serve You. Draw them into Your presence. Draw them into Your presence, Lord God, I pray. Draw them into Your presence. Let them have a heart that seeks after You, I pray. And that above all else, the ears would be tuned to hear the voice of the Spirit. We thank You, Father for the incredible things they're going to do. We thank You, Father, for the, the mighty works that You're going to do in and through their lives. By Your grace, for Your glory, we pray. And this we ask in Jesus' mighty Name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Amen.